Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag. Und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gagan Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And as always, we'll start off with Bundesliga match day results. Okay, on Friday night, we seen Dortmund 3, Paderborn 3. Into Saturday, Bayer Leverkusen 1, Freiburg 1. Eintracht Frankfurt 0, Wolfsburg 2. Union Berlin 2, Borussia Mönchengladbach 0, Werder Bremen 1, Schalke 2. Fortuna Dusseldorf 0, Bayern Munich 4. Let's see the late kickoff at Leipzig 4, Cologne 1. And into Sunday, Augsburg 4, Hertha Berlin nil. Finishing up the match day was Hoffenheim 1, Mainz 5. Yes, joining me, as always, is Football Grads Network creator and Forbes football reporter, Manu Vets. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, I'm um, very good, Bryce. International break is always such a nice break, so felt revitalized to get back into the Bundesliga action. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've missed you, fellas. I missed the last one before the... Uh, international break and I'm raring to go but joining uh, Manu and I is Chris Williams yes another football journalist for Football Grad and Forbes Chris how have you been? Very well Bryce thanks Um, actually quite a busy international break for me there was the um, Bayern Munich AGM then there was the Champions League rights in the UK uh, and then Jose Mourinho went to Tottenham so it was quite a busy two weeks for me yeah, that's it. Even with the international break, there was still plenty going on um, in club football, wasn't there? But um, let's um, jump right into it. We've got plenty to discuss uh, in this week's pod. And yes, we've got to start off with that Friday night result of that 3-3 between Borussia Dortmund and Paderborn. Uh, Manu, unbelievable. Eh? That first half, I mean... Borussia Dortmund just completely, well, you described it as non-existent, and that was very much the case. It was almost a little bit too easy for Paderborn, some direct football, and next thing you know, they're 3-0 up, and Dortmund looks completely lost. What exactly is going on with Dortmund? This season really hasn't panned out how we expected. Yeah, I thought it was actually a straight continuation from the um, Klassiker, the game in Munich that I went to, right? And we discussed in great length two weeks ago. But it like in that game in Munich, Dortmund just did not show up. And I think that that's really the best explanation for, for what happened in the first 45 minutes. There's, there's a great quote by um, Michael Zorc that, that he said to us uh, in, in the Allianz Arena, it's like, we, we weren't there. Um, and I think he said something very similar Yes, on Friday after this game that they just weren't there and the, the first 45 minutes were shocking. I mean, if you are top side like Dortmund and you're playing a team that's been recently promoted and in Paderborn, we all know the story, the backstory of that club. They're, they're not your typical Bundesliga promotion side, right? They're a side that accidentally got promoted and this is no disrespect to Paderborn. They do fantastic work there, but the infrastructure, Chris has been there. He's visited the club. It's very small. And I think that 
to for Paderborn to come in there and just carve them open like they did. The, the first two goals were really easy. The third one by Holtmann, the, the, the way he runs through the defense, I, I think that is that when you have a player like Mats Hummel signed for 35 million euros plus bonuses and you get carved open like that in the back, um, that is that is for me, um, you know, in Germany, we have this wonderful word called Arbeitsverweigerung. Um, it's one of those nice long German words and it's it's a failure, a failure to show up for work. And I think that's really much what happened for Dortmund in, in those first 45 minutes. They were non-existent. They weren't on the field. Chris, it seems that uh, even though they managed to salvage a point in this game, it seems like the, the fans are still pretty, uh, pretty peeved and kind of rightfully so. I mean, how much time has Favre got now? I mean, there's plenty of people talking about who his possible successor could be if he, if he was to be thrown overboard. It's going to be hard for him. Uh, when I heard the whistles and the jeers, it, it makes me think, Bryce, of the uh, of the episode in The Simpsons where uh, Mr. Burns is getting booed and and he says, am I getting booed? And Smethers says, no, no, sir. They're saying, boo Burns, boo Burns. And that's, Favre just looked shocked. Um, and as if, are those boos for us? And yeah, they were. They weren't for Mr. Burns. They were pure boos um, for Borussia Dortmund. And, yeah, you can see, and it's not just at the game. Um, they're, they're meeting today, their um, members meeting. The boos were incredible. There's a great video knocking around on one of the German um, journalists. I think Manu either retweeted it, or if not, I will later, so you can have a look at it um, if you're listening, obviously. Um, we can um, we can see how angry they were. Now, these are fans that, this was Friday night, they've gone to bed. And they've had Friday night and Saturday night in bed. Um, and they've gone to the members' meeting Sunday. And they have booed very loudly with whistles and jeers uh, the team coming in. So not only was it poor, I think, as Manu says, it's a continuation of, of poor performances throughout the season. And if we're going to be realistic, probably from um, the turn of the year as well. Because the back end of last season, they didn't do particularly well. If you remember... You know, the the missed opportunities to win the title that were there, probably the best chance they've had in the last few seasons, certainly to win the title last season, wasn't taken. This season they strengthened um, in some excellent positions as well, and it didn't happen. So if you take um, Friday's night's performance, um, Nico Schultz, big money signing, was just ghosted past at one point, real amateur defending. Um, it's interesting if you look at some of the stats sites where you know he polled 5.6 out of 10, which I think that, that was maybe 0.6, maybe 0.8 too, um, too kind for him. So I thought it was horrendously poor. Obviously, he was hooked as well. Um, I don't know what Favre said at half time, but they came out a completely different side. But it, it's all about that first half, though. If if you look at that first half, they had three shots, none on target against Paderborn. Manu's already said their journey. You know, they're a typical, not just a yo-yo club, but a, a league structure yo-yo club almost went into the to the amateur tiers. Um, compare that with the second half. You know, Dortmund went all out, 14 shots, seven on target, six off target, um, scored the three goals that they needed. But yet yeah, it, um, it was all over. And if you compare it to their neighbours, they won't like this Schalke. I was at the match when um, it was it wasn't a particularly good performance against Paderborn from Schalke in the first half and the second half they came out and destroyed them. Um, Dortmund were at three one. There was a big miss for Paderborn to go four one. If that was happened, um, I don't think we're talking um, about Lucien Favre still being in a job because they wouldn't have come back from four one down. You know, it's interesting that you the, the way you break this down, Chris. Um, I, I got a bunch of messengers. As the first 45 minutes developed from, from journalists, particularly from the United States, um, who were with me when, when doing the Frankfurt Bayern game, um, you know, the last game of Nico Kovac. And one of the messengers read, oh, this looks awfully familiar. And it did. It was the same kind of reaction on the field that you saw from Dortmund players towards the instruction that they were giving by Faber. Then... You know, you saw from Bayern players against Frankfurt. And that is usually, in my opinion, yes, the second half was a re was reaction. It was a strong reaction by Dortmund. But um, 
that's usually an indication for me that the, there is something amiss between the coaching staff and the players, is there not? Yeah, I would I would definitely say. I mean, I very jokingly and very um, sarcastically said that, you know, maybe Favre said if, if you win 4-3, I'll leave because that's how well they were playing in that second half early on compared to that first half. But yeah, it's not looked right in a long time. Um, I think back to that game against Bayer Leverkusen that I was at, um, which you know Dortmund won by a country mile in the end, but they were still susceptible at the back. And if you know if Bayer Leverkusen would have been on a better day, it would have been a lot more close than the final score suggested. But um, yeah, the Dortmund are consistently inconsistent, and when you've spent the money that they have, um, and they should be going for the title and doing well in the Champions League, um, which which they are in to a certain degree, but. I look back the other week to the game against um, Slavia Prague when you know another early chance was missed by Prague for to go into the lead. They just seemed Dortmund to be one mistake away from from going behind, and it's frequently happening all the time. And how long can they pull themselves back? Because occasionally, as a football team, you go through patches, and you know that that's a sign of champions. How do you play? when you're not playing particularly well. But when Dortmund are consistently going 1-0 down or playing poorly, and then they have to have this real big second half or final third performance, um, it's telling. And you can't do it all the time. And Dortmund are getting to that stage now where they're having to do that. Happened against Inter, happened against Paderborn. Is it going to happen against Barcelona? Because you know European champions last of last season got destroyed in a new camp. Um it's a horrible place to go, especially if their players are on fire. So it's going to be an interesting week. And I think they'd probably be happy that they're going to play Hertha Berlin, who were dreadful today. So maybe that's going to play into Lucien Favre's um, hands um, if he's there. But, you know, members weren't happy. Shareholders meeting is tomorrow. Sunday we record that's this. So that happens tomorrow, the shareholders meeting. Um, if people aren't happy, maybe we could see something different by the by the end of the week. And Chris, uh, if you're talking about um, seeing somebody uh, different in charge at the end of the week, who do you think that could potentially be? Well, we were just chatting about this off air. As with any club, and and just pick any team at the moment that are, that have got the right back in, they've got the the right structures in place, but aren't doing very well. There's there's quite a few teams. There's certainly some in Spain. Dortmund are one in Germany and there's also a couple in England, Everton spring to mind. Um, you can sack your coach, you can get rid of them and that will probably fix a problem. But who comes in? Because you know we've seen before with Dortmund, Peter Bosch wasn't the right man, so they, they got rid of him and they needed to get rid of him. Um, but in came Peter Stoger, who wasn't the right man either. And no, he was only doing it for a short-term basis, but he wasn't the right man as such. The results weren't particularly good then. Um, so... If they're going to fire Favre, then then somebody has to be available immediately or they have to have uh, someone who's exceptionally good. So Bayern have done that. They've gotten rid of Kovac and they've got Hansi Flick to come in who can control the side and he probably will control the side until the, you know, until the new year minimum, may even take them to the end of the season. We don't know. Um, I don't know who if Dortmund can do that at the moment with their current coaching staff. So if they fire someone, there's got to be a man ready to come in now and and up to the job there's two free coaches i think um that's nico kovac and maurizio pochettino i think one of them fits perfectly i think the other one doesn't i'm pretty sure you can work it out price yeah that's it um Manu, i mean how much would you say uh of a crisis this is i mean we, we were as chris said talking about this uh before we came onto the podcast and you know they they only are five points behind first i mean uh, are, are we being a little bit harsh on favre and dortmund well you have to remember too that look at the setup of the league it's an abnormal start uh, for not just for dortmund but a bunch of clubs right in, of all the top teams bayern had a poor start fired the coach um we're of course a bit smarter in the summer planning they had a backup coach already ready i mean i remember writing in an article for international champions cup saying that flick was hired as an assistant knowing that if they have to fire Kovac, there is a succession plan so maybe bayern were just better prepared um as chris says there, there was someone there but you look at you look at leipzig they had a wobble right um gladbach no one expected them to be first and they had a couple of wobbles as well freiburg are still hanging out up 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 top there 
Um, no one really expected them to be there, but you know, even though they had a couple wobbles, they're still in the top four. And then Schalke ahead of F Dortmund, and we definitely did not expect that. So I, I think the 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 actual table, although they're only five points off first place, they're also five five and two, and that is not a good record. Twelve games into a season, um, there's no no two ways to say that. I, I think what really rescues them at the moment is that the table looks better than it should because everyone else is having problems um, or some teams are overperforming, right? That shouldn't be in the very top. Once Bayern get back into gear, and we're going to get to talk about Bayern in a moment and, you know, then that's going to be a different scenario. Leipzig look very strong. We get to talk about them in a moment as well. You know, those are two teams that will now kick it off and I don't see them losing very many games. So the table looks only good at the first glance. Um, they're only back or still in it at the first glance. So I think this is a much bigger crisis than the Bundesliga table suggests. In the Champions League, sure. If they get a point against Barcelona, that's probably going to be enough for them to go through if they beat Slavia. Um, those two results are not guaranteed. So I think this, this is more of a crisis than you can see at the first glance it's it's also the entire chemistry that the 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 feeling around Dortmund I, I was there for the Bremen game I was there for the Inter game this year um, Chris has been there a few times as well it just doesn't feel right um, it's a similar feel that you had in Munich you know a place that I spent most of the time of my time at um, it, it was a very similar feel than that and um, unlike Munich, though, I do think that Favre is... I think Kovac is an excellent coach, too, but you always knew that that wasn't going to fit. Um, but I do think that Favre is an excellent coach, and I do think that his football fits, but something is just not right. And that can be a number of things. And then you see it with all these little stories that are coming out, right? So I think it is much more of a crisis than maybe this, even the results suggest. Well, Manu, that's... Uh, turned around and said that yes he, he should have probably um, addressed their number nine issue in the summer they probably should have bought a more out and out striker we, we've discussed about how Alcazar is a fantastic striker and he, he scores some brilliant goals and plenty of them but he's just not on the field very often um, is it something as small as if they go out in January and I know they've already spent plenty but they go out and sign you know a good number nine that all the problems are going to go away. I mean, if you look at their goal difference, it seems more a problem at the other end of the pitch because they're third in the Bundesliga when it comes to scoring goals. Yeah, but a striker is so important. I mean, you see it missing all over the place. I I was at the Inter Milan game and... Yes, Inter were up 2-0 at halftime. That game was a bit different than Paderborn because Dortmund actually dominated those first 45 minutes and they just couldn't score. And finally, you know, Hakimi was the one who scored goals. Hakimi is their top scorer in the Champions League. I think that they have defensive issues quite a lot. Um, Chris and I always joke off the air about Leonardo Balerdi, the Argentine national team defender that they bought but has never played for them, which is, in my opinion, telling. Um, Akanji is now not playing. Weigel is not a defender, I'm sorry, but he's not a centre-back. So you see like all these selection issues. Um, Paco Alcazar doesn't play a lot. Um, he has played 517 minutes over nine games in in fairness, he scored five goals in that time. So he's very, very effective when he's on the field. But I don't think, and this will sound really harsh, I don't think his body is built for Bundesliga football. You know, in La Liga, where there is a lot less lot less body contact, um, it's more of a passing game, it's not as a fast pace of a game. I think he's suited for that. Um, obviously, talent-wise, he is one of the best number nines in the world, I would even say just given the way he executes his finishes. But I think his body is just not made for German football. Um, So you have to address that. And I think every top club in the world now has two or three guys that can score lots of goals. Um, You know, not every club in the world is blessed with Robert Lewandowski, who never gets hurt and scores one and a half goals a game. And I think Dortmund need to address that. Um, And, of course... (laughs) address all the other issues that are going on as well. Well, Chris, uh, another issue that uh, seems to be uh, bubbling at the moment is 
what the Athletic and uh, Builders suggesting a, a problem between Jadon Sancho and Dortmund. Uh, what exactly seems to be the issue that they're reporting at the moment? Um, do you know if there's, if there's any truth to it? And what exactly is going to happen with them? We know that obviously over in England they love to talk about him going to, to one of the uh, top sides here. But um, is that going to happen sooner rather than later? Well, that's probably a better question for um, Mr. Vatsker and Mr. Zort, Bryce. But as we've seen with Dortmund, they will let a player go um, if if they are able to take up the, the gap um, at the moment. I don't think they are able to take up that gap because... You know, Jaden Sancho was excellent um, for that second half. Um, he doesn't look happy. Uh, it's been reported in the German press he's not happy. It's now been reported in the English-speaking press he's not happy. Um, he looks like a player that's had his head turned, whether that's by Real Madrid, whether it's by Manchester United, whether it's by Liverpool, whether it's by Barcelona. Um, I think he may have had his head turned. And, and it might be because of this season. Uh, I think he will have read, he will have known that Dortmund had strengthened and Bayern hadn't strengthened as well and that Dortmund were probably a shoe-in for a, a league title fight and, and they're not. After 12 games, they're sixth. They're five points off the pace. They haven't played particularly well. As Manu's already said, you know, five draws, two losses out of those 12 games. Um, even a, a little bit of an improvement and they could be second. Um, and that is with a little bit of an improvement. But they just look to have problems um, and players, if they're not happy, you know, will will want to leave. Now, whether they let him leave um, in January, I would find that maybe hard to believe unless we get to the winter break and they are out and out, nowhere near the top of the table. Um, if they've fallen to eighth or ninth and it's six, maybe eight points behind, they may consider cashing in, which they did with um, Pulisic. But will they let him leave in January or will it be the end of the season? I think it's probably safe to say that Jaden Sancho will not be at Borussia Dortmund this time next year. I think that's a safe analogy because he was always likely to go this summer coming. And there were some bids put in for him last summer by Manchester United. You were very happy to take him. Uh, they were told no. I think Dortmund are under the impression that Sancho would move at some point and that it would be the end of the nineteen twenty season. Um, whether it's before that, I, I'm not 100% sure. It would seem daft to let your best player leave um, when you need them. Um, it could be a situation that was similar to Pulisic where we'll, we'll sell you, we'll let you go, um, but we keep you to the end of the season. That might be enough to fire Jadon Sancho back into top gear. But yeah, it, it doesn't seem right because you know he's been sanctioned for um, not reporting on time. He doesn't look particularly happy at times, although he looked very happy in the second half. Um, maybe if they change the coach, maybe that makes him happy. Who knows? Um, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, there's, there's gonna, always going to be a, a queue of clubs um, awaiting someone like Jadon Sancho to come on. Um, and, and Dortmund are going to want a lot of money for him and they'll probably get a lot of money. Don't know if they'll get £140 million for him, but um, they'll get a lot of money for him. Um, it's whether they can then get that money back into the transfer market, sign someone, bring someone else in, you know, another unknown like Jaden Sancho. And they do have some good wingers. Um, they do have players who can build on that speed, but at the moment they don't have anyone as good as Jaden Sancho in those areas, which is a problem for them, especially if he wants out. Chris, I don't think you should ever rely on a 19 year old being the best player at your club. Oh no, you shouldn't. You should never do that because he's 19 and as we've spoken on this pod previously, I, I'm, and I personally don't feel players hit their prime outfield forward players. I don't think they hit the prime till they're 26. So I think somewhere between 25 and 30, you're top of the range. Look at um, Robert Lewandowski now. The older you get, I think the better you get as a striker. Um, a little bit like a goalkeeper, maybe a defender. I think the hard work's done in midfield where you need to be young. Um, but you know, Jaden Sancho plays as a as a winger, but he plays as a forward winger in a in a four two three one or a four three three situation. So he is more attack minded than defense minded. Um, but yeah, nineteen, he could go off the boil for two seasons and come back as the world's best player. That's how young he is. Um, but yeah, Dortmund shouldn't mm -hmm. be doing that. Not when they've got 
some of the players in, in, in their side as they have. And he's not always up to Hummels. Some of the times I've seen Dortmund play since he's arrived, I thought he's played really well, but he, you know he's one man, he's one defender. During the Classica, he had the ball, he drove into the centre circle, there was no options left or right or forward of him. He went mad, almost had a tantrum in the centre circle. Um, you know, he It all can't be put on him um, as, an, as an elder statesman. You need good quality players in that side, which they do have. But they're all young. Julian Brandt's young. Dahoud at some point may come good. He's still only young. Um, Jakob Larsson's good, but he's young. You know, you got Mario Gotze. He's another like Paco Alcasa. I think he's a fantastic player, but he, you know, he's coming back from a real debilitating um, illness that he had. Marco Royce is the same. I think he's exceptional. Do Dortmund have too many players made out of Weetabix? Is probably the question we need to ask. But that's why, like, you know, the reason I'm asking is. There's a lot of rumors suggesting that Emre Can is going to come in, in in the winter. You know, someone will maybe add some steel to that midfield. I know he, they have Axel Witzel already, um, who, who I think is exceptional always. Um, but I feel like they almost need someone else who has that experience. And Emre Can, of course, wasn't registered at Juventus um, for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I don't know the inner polit- politics of Juventus, that's well, but he wasn't registered for the Champions League, so he wants out and he could be, he's available below market value. You know him a bit better from your time at Liverpool. I only know him from when he plays in the national team. And although he does have his clumsy moments, he also is quite a strong personality. And I think maybe that could help them. Yeah, definitely. He's also a good player. He he left Liverpool under a cloud, sort of, with you know, with supporters because he he didn't extend his contract. Well, you know, some players don't do that. But what he certainly didn't do is down tools and refuse to play. He, you know, he played critical. Um, he played critical moments all the way up to and including um, the game in, in Kiev against Real Madrid at the time. So he he's a player that can be relied upon um i i always thought he's a fantastic player for liverpool they thought he fitted klopp's system perfectly well he's he's got the ability to press um he's got the ability to to work quick on transition uh you know he's forward minded and defensive minded he, he's good with a ball he's good at passing i think he's an all-round good player in that central midfield area had he decided that he wanted to extend his contract at liverpool there wouldn't have been a problem i feel he'd still be there now would probably be ahead of um, Naby Keita, who can't get into the Liverpool side um, through <laughs> injuries and, and ability to, to transition to the style of play. So he, he would certainly fit Dortmund because you know Jurgen Klopp built that style that Dortmund have now, that, that high press, high quick transition game, fast football. I think he would certainly suit it. It would also, I think, suit Chan because he would be playing back in the Bundesliga at you know one of the top three sides um, in the country and that would be excellent for his... Uh, national team ambitions, which he's not getting any of at the moment um, because of his inability to play in the Champions League, which I don't think would affect him anyway now with the with, with the UEFA changes um, in um, in the transfer market. But it would certainly be a, a real key signing and someone that Dortmund would need because of his experience that comes with it, not just um, not just in in. Uh, big teams. He, he's played in a, two big leagues. He's played in the UEFA Champions League. He's played in the UEFA Champions League final. He's, he's Confederations Cup. Uh, he's played, you know, for the German national side. He's an excellent player and fits the Dortmund mould. Yeah, that could be an exciting signing for Dortmund. I know one thing. Us obviously watching them from Liverpool's perspective, he's always got a few great goals each season in him. So um, yeah, well let, let's track that and see how it goes. And with Sancho, but uh, guys, let's move over to. Uh, Borussia Dortmund's rivals speak about champions Bayern Munich. They got an impressive 4-0 victory against Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yes, that's another 4-0 victory. And if I'm being honest, Manu, it just all looked a bit too easy for for Bayern Munich. Um, So so what exactly has Flick done since he's taken over from Niko Kovac? I mean, things look somewhat more rosy now after these two games. Yeah, we spoke a little bit about that with um, uh, Lutz van Stiel when we had him on um, two weeks ago. And I, I think he had, um, he, he sort of predicted this result a little bit. You know, he's, he didn't have, he, he, he projected not too many ambitions when it came to that game um, against Bayern. I mean, he called it the, the Oktoberfest because it doesn't really matter what the result is in the end. If you win, that's fantastic. If you don't, well, you had a great side playing there. 
Um, and I think with Flick in charge, it's it's really the little things that stick out to me, Bryce. Um, I spent the week after Kovac was let go, fired isn't the right term because, you know, the official wording is, is mutual termination. I want to just stress that here one more time. That he spent a lot of time talking to the players and Bayern Munich's philosophy has always been that the club is about the players and not the coach, right? That's always been the, the way the pyramid at the club worked. Um, you go all the way back in the history of the club and the, the, even in the, early, in, the, in the 40s and the 30s, the players and, and the, the bosses, they mutually decided who the coach was. A coach at Munich doesn't do as much coaching as elsewhere. Of course, there's exceptions. Pep, Pep Guardiola and Louis van Gaal were really put in a style in, but... It, it shows you those two were very strong characters. And that is what you need to be at Bayern. You need, you need to have a personality with a very strong trademark. You need to be almost like a player to be a, a successful coach there. Hansi Flick, of course, played at Bayern. He knows how to communicate in that dressing room. He knows how to handle all those various big characters that walk around in that dressing room. And we were talking very, very strong characters. This is, this is a club... That is a giant. And I mean a giant not just in terms of Germany. I mean in world football. And as such, it has a bit of a different aura. I think, although Niko Kovac was also a player there, he just doesn't... He wanted to more bring in a playing style that worked for him. It wasn't supposed to be about the players, but rather about the coaching. And I think that just doesn't work there. And I think Flick does understand this just a lot better um and he's as i said it's little things talking to the players hold them hold them by the hand let them lose um guide a training session but let them really play the style that they feel comfortable with and that's how Bayern is successful and he's basically let him do that look at that game against Düsseldorf. um the the, the, the tactics were really straightforward bryce it was a basic 4-2-3-1 he put the best players in their best positions and let them play and they have such strong quality that it works. Well, Chris, um, you know, as I said, you know, things are looking somewhat more rosy there. I mean, do you think there's a possibility that Flick keeps the job at the end of the season? I mean, we, we talked plenty, um, you know, amongst ourselves and, and I suppose in podcasts as well as to who could potentially come in at the end of the season. And Flick is just covering in the meantime. But you'd imagine that if, if he does a good enough job uh, and they're going in the right direction, then maybe they've found their man already it's a good question bryce because if he um if he let's say he can put a run together where they end up winning the title again um that would be some turnaround from where they were um if they were to able to um you know pick up another trophy on the way i think that would be looked upon as exceptional also um and if he gets them to the latter stages of the champions league i'm talking you know, semi-final or, or on to the final, I think that would be looked at. Um, and Manu's already said it's about the players and does the coach fit. Um, I, I I don't think, and I never did think, that um, Niko Kovac had the right pulling power. Um, I don't think he had that in Germany and I certainly don't think he had it outside of Germany. Uh, Hansi Flick is exceptionally well-respected inside of Germany. I'm not sure how many people know that much about him outside, but... If you look at the players that buy and sign, um, they don't have to be able to attract the best players from abroad because they do exceptionally well at getting good German players. They will get very good players. Martinez, for example, um, you know Lewandowski, another one, but he came from into, inside the Bundesliga. Coutinho's come over. Um, you know, then there's a history of players who've come from abroad to play in Bayern. I, I think, I think if Flick gets the end of the season and he's done really well, why not? Um, because who is going to come in that's better than them? Um, if we look at who the the media are running with, Thomas Tuchel, well, you know, I like Thomas Tuchel. I like his um, playing style. I like his character. I think he's exceptional when you speak to him on a one-to-one basis as well. Um, but if, 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 who gets rid of Hansi Flick if he's if he's won a double or if he's even won something mad like a treble? Who, who gets rid of him? It has to be somebody better. Um, and if they can't find somebody better... Why not give it to him? 
um, because he's someone that understands the club. You know, we're talking about a manager who's come in and, and had very little time to do anything, although he's been with the side since the start of the season. He's had very little time to do anything, stamp his own mark on it. He's just made a few tweaks and um, and they're playing a, a hell of a lot better and a hell of a lot happier. So um, I think we can wait and see, but... You know the new faces that are coming into Bayern in the in the management side, the higher up levels. They they might have their own ideas. It's something we'll have to wait on. Yeah, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk, Bryce, about um, Pochettino, and for many many people, it seems like he's a shoe in to, to go to Munich. And of course, there's the news today that apparently, the longer he's without a job, the more he will get from Tottenham in the average package. So that that would already eliminate an immediate move. But I also and I. I spoke to Chris a little bit about this um, off the air. I don't think his style of football would suit this club. Um, and I'd be curious to hear what you think about that too, Chris. But the the games that I saw them Tottenham play, it's very attractive football. But it's three in the back, right? It's it's at a heavy reliance on that, that midfield five. Um, it's a hard work rate. And it's... A style of football that is not at all what Bayern has always been about. And that's, personally, I think, in Pochettino, they would just get the Argentine version of Nico Kovac. And I'm curious what you think, Chris. But for me, the ideal coaches right now, you mentioned Thomas Tuchel, that's one. Um, Eric Ten Hag, for me, if he is available next summer, he will be the new coach. And Pep Guardiola, who I think wants to come back to Munich eventually. You he read that between the lines, but I don't think it's going to be next summer. But I just don't see Pochettino being a good fit. I think Bayern would have similar trouble to what they did um, with Nico Kovac, where it is about the system. And Pochettino's got a system, a well-tried system that worked well at Southampton, and then you know it did work well at Southampton. Uh, sorry, it did work well at Tottenham. He took them from nobodies to consistent Champions League qualifiers to Champions League finalists. To you know, they really should have won the league the other season when Leicester won it. Um, it was very Spursy that they didn't. So he's a player who can get the best out of his. Sorry, he's a manager or a coach who can get the best out of his system, but he needs the players to fit that system, um, and that you know is similar to what you described in there. Kovac um, came in, had a fantastic system that he played at Eintracht Frankfurt, really successful, took them from the brink of relegation, back-to-back poker finals and a victory. Um, hard football again. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if he'd be the right fit. Um, and Bayern could be in the same problem 12 months later. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough one. Um I just, if we're looking at two clubs who need a, a new head coach at the moment, I think Maurizio Pochettino would better suit the dugout in uh, um, West Wallenstadion than he would do at the Alliance. Well, we'll just have to see where Poch ends up uh, landing. It may not even be in the Bundesliga, but there's definitely two teams at the moment that could potentially uh, attract him. Eh? But um, guys, let, let's talk about the uh, very top of the table, which uh, normally would be one of the previous sides mentioned, but it's uh, still Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, unfortunately, this weekend didn't exactly go to plan. They lost 2-0 away from home to Union Berlin. Um, we will speak a little bit about Union in a bit. But Manu, uh, Gladbach still top of the pile, but only a point now. And yeah, the, this this is not exactly um, the result that they probably would have expected going into this game. Union taking the lead on the 15th minute and then getting one right at the end. Uh what exactly has happened with Gladbach? And do you have a feeling that this is just going to be a, a one-off? Or is there more cause for concern? Oh, first of all, um, huge respect for Union Berlin because this is this is the second side, big side that they, they defeated there, right? Um, Dorsia Dortmund went there and lost there as well. And Union now on 16 points after 12 games, that's that's respectable. You know, they're on, they're on path of staying in the league. As for Gladbach, it's it's hilarious because I think you know they had such a big opportunity to really keep that gap of four points um, to Bayern. Remember, in two weeks' time, they 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 are hosting Bayern in Gladbach, and um, that's going to be a big game for them. But you want to go into that game with a gap just to be a bit more comfortable, and with so many other teams struggling to start the season with. It's a good opportunity 
maybe and i i think this is we, we chatted um this is one thing that lutz said two weeks ago as well and i think you know for for some of the smaller sides union berlin didn't have many national team go players go away but Gladbach did and i think for union those two weeks are just they're almost like a mini training camp time and they just were better prepared for this game than Gladbach were and I think that is really where it came in because you look you look even at some of the the data right um, Union Berlin ran five kilometers more than Gladbach did so they put a way better road um, work rate in in terms of shots on goal it's, it was very equal so the work rate actually worked out really well um, they outran Gladbach and that's surprising given Marco Rose's RB style of football, right? That the Red Bull style of football that is about high work rates, and I think it's probably the national team break was for Gladbach at the worst possible time. Chris, um, I mean, do do you think there's a possibility that Gladbach can, you know, go on maybe beat uh, Freiburg at home next week and then really give uh, Bayern Munich a tough time? So you're meaning that the next two match days, you know, can they? Forget about this one and move on. Have we seen potential that they could um, could still be top of the pile after that Bayern Munich uh, meetup? Have we seen potential? Yeah, I think we have. The twelve games in, they got twenty five points at the top of the league, so the potential's there. Um, this is a disappointing result for them, um, but you know, Manu's already said that they went to Union Berlin. I did. I did almost a mini preview on Berlin after um, Subotic signed. And one of the lines in there, I said that it's quite simple um, for Union Berlin um, when they brought in. They need to um, they need to win at home and either draw on the road or avoid defeat on the road. Um, it's the home games that will keep them in. And this is another good performance. And Gladbach aren't or weren't ever going to go a whole season without getting beat, you know, two, three times, um, maybe even four times. But is a how do they respond to this? It's maybe not the best game for them to go back into. Um, and then obviously they've got um, Bayern Munich after that. I think we'll probably see how they lie better after that. But for everything they've done this season, and they've done exceptionally well, and they are top of the table, and they still got a gap there, albeit one point. I don't think anybody realistically expected them to be there after Christmas or after you know the winter pause. Um, I certainly didn't. I didn't think they'd get to match game um, 10 or match day 10 and still be top of the league. Um, they've gone that. Whether they're there on 13s and 14s, uh, sorry, whether they're after that on um, you know, 13 or 14 is a different matter. I don't think we can write them off. I still don't think they can win the league. Um, I think they, they, they're a top four side. It's how they manage this defeat now because it could send them on a bit of a downward spiral or they could bounce back. But on, on paper, and I know football's not played on paper, they probably have, I would say the fourth strongest side in the league, which will put them fourth. Um, I think they're, you know, they're, um, where some of individual parts is, is, is greater than, than the overall. So how, how do they keep on with that? It's going to be a tough one, Bryce, but, I don't think it's any disrespect to them that they've fallen to a very good Union Berlin side in a very hostile, um, in, a, in a positive way, environment. It's also not next week's game, Chris, is going to be a top spiel between, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, Gladbach against Freiburg on Sunday at 3.30. It's going to be first against fourth because we're on match day 12 now and Freiburg is still there, um, which is just absolutely remarkable they just don't want to go away from from that top area so that game next week is is going to be a really really fascinating encounter yeah it is because i think if we have a look at the the top of the table in fact have a look at the whole table all 18 sides i think freiburg are, are the ones who've really picked up on the fact that dortmund haven't done too well um hoffenheim haven't done particularly well either by leverkusen aren't as strong as particularly they should be so there's three sides um, that had been playing a lot better would see Freiburg down in seventh and playing well. And I think we all would have gone, oh, actually, Freiburg, you know, done really well to be in seventh. So they've taken full advantage of that. Um, Schalke are another side who've done that as well. The traditional big hitters not playing as well as they as they could do. Um, but once again, 
I love Freiburger. I, I love them to bits. I love the coach. I love the stadium. I love the whole ethos around the club. I still think a Champions League finish um, and even a Europa League finish would, would mean all but certain relegation the season after. Um, and I certainly don't want that to happen. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. You know, they have finished third before. This was, of course, before the times of uh, the top four going into the Champions League. But they finished, um, that's actually the first season that I really strongly followed the Bundesliga, really consciously remember. 1994, 1995, they finished third. Um, the play, that's where this, the nickname, uh, Breisgau Brasilianer comes from that season because on their, um, they, they had Rodolfo Esteban Cardoso and, and an attacking midfielder from Argentina and he scored 17 goals in that season. Um, it was some of the best football that I have seen. And I actually went back and watched some of the clips. It's just remarkable. Um, a remarkable club that has produced these stories before. So I'm not saying here, go and tip that they're going to finish third. I'm just saying it has happened before. Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I think in today's modern game, a, a small side with a small squad like Freiburg, if they had to play on a Tuesday or a Wednesday um, and then drop down into a Thursday, I, I think it would really hamper their um their Bundesliga credentials I could see them you know I know Cologne are poor but getting into the Europa League did did Cologne absolutely no favours that season they got them relegated playing Thursday Sunday um I think Freiburg getting in would would do a similar I don't think they've got the ability or the the strength in depth to to do that um but it would be nice if they finished in the top four I just hope for them they don't because I think it would spell a real poor season for them after and it, it did back in 1995-96. They actually had to fight against uh, relegation. And um, I think they were almost pretty much relegated with just four or five games to go and managed a remarkable turnaround. Uh, anyways, that's just me going back <laughs> memory lane. But uh, I think you're quite right, Chris. Yeah, I think we've absolutely got to acknowledge how good uh, Freiburg have been this season. It's it's, uh, it's been wonderful to see, isn't it? And yeah, that's going to be an exciting game next uh, Saturday uh, against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Also, uh, well done to Union Berlin, who are now up to 11th. Yeah, fantastic by the newly promoted side. And they will be taking on Schalke on the Friday night game, which again, uh, it's quite exciting too. But um, let's talk about uh, the side that are now sitting in second, and that's RB Leipzig. After a bit of a blip they seem to have pulled things around with three wins in three in the Bundesliga uh, Manu things looking a lot more positive for Nagelsmann now um, at, at the helm obviously uh, it started off so well came off the boil and now they seem to be back and yeah very much in the title race once again yeah I'm going to say this right now if there is a side and I think it's still going to be Bayern that are going to you know be the favourites to, to win the title but if there is going to be a side that is really going to challenge Bayern all the way to the end and possibly win the title, it's going to be them. It's going to be Leipzig. Um, I watched that game on Sunday. I did, I did the match report for Fußballstadt.com and they had that little blip in October when I was there. I was went to one of the Champions League games where actually I thought they played quite well, but they just couldn't get the results. And that is just... That blip, they they worked whatever the the problem was. I, I think it's Nagelsmann coming in. It's a very complicated style of football to get used to. I think they just worked through that, or the squad got used to him. Um, they now have new players that are also coming off the bench. You know, there was there was an article a few weeks ago that Leipzig's new signings are just not clicking. You have to remember that was always the case in Hoffenheim as well. Players take longer to adapt to. A, this a new style of system, but especially when it comes to Nagelsmann. So, and Kungu was very good in this game. Interesting, he's an attacking midfielder. Uh, Nagelsmann played him as a second striker. 
um, Timo Werner now on 12 goals in 12 games. But what really stood out to me was Emil Forsberg. He's now looking like the player he looked um, in the first season that Leipzig had in the Bundesliga, you know, two years ago. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. And I think with all these pieces all clicking now, they only, I think they're only going to get better from here on once the new signings are starting to get better integrated after the winter break. They're going to have a similar run after the winter break than they had last year. And they're in a much better position this year than they were last year um, going into the winter break. For me, they are together with Bayern, the two sides. Those will be the two sides challenging for the title going by current form. Yeah, I mean, Chris, um, if we speak... Um, about what Manu's just said, you know, it's it, about them being a your real title contender and them going all the way. It, it, it's it's hard to to say anything, but you agree, right? I mean, Werner's looking good. You know, the Christoph and uh, Kunku's lo- looking fantastic as well. Uh, they, they they've got a bit of depth. They're playing good football. Things are looking very positive for RB Leipzig. Yeah, I I, I don't actually agree. No, no, I'm joking. I do agree. I agree 100%. <laughs> I was thinking, what? <laughs> After all that? No, I do agree because um, because they are playing good football. Manu hit the nail on the head. Um, Julian Nagelsmann's football is um, is very complex. And it'll give you an idea. You know, Nagelsmann um, is a studier, a global studier of the game. He's probably as complex in his football um, tactics as Pep Guardiola um, and look where he's ended up as in like what he's achieved in his time um, Nagelsmann's 32 this this for me is is the danger for the rest of the league because uh, Nagelsmann's 32 and he is learning um, I don't think he's going to go anywhere from Leipzig I think they've bought into him he's bought into that concept um, I think we could be looking at a manager who stays at a club for 10 seasons. I'm going to look daft if he goes to Man United at the end of the season. But um, he he looks like a player, uh, sorry, a coach who could be there for a long time. And he has the ability at Leipzig to turn them into a dominant force like we're seeing, we're seeing in Munich. Um, and I do think, like Manu said, that they could win the title. If they do win the title, um, I think we could look at a massive power shift um, from Munich to Leipzig because they've got all the ingredients that when it does fit right, they're going to have the tastiest cake ever made, um, which will annoy probably everybody in Germany because they're not liked with, with the way their makeup, um, how they got there, um, you know, the, the buying of the license um, of a lower league club in Markenstadt and then taking them up. But they've got all the ingredients there to be mega successful. And I think we're starting to see that because even in their blip, um, the problem was they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. They've identified that now, um, and they're starting to be free-scoring RB Leipzig like they were previously. I saw them um, against Union Berlin. I saw them up um, at Werder Bremen. Excellent side, and when it goes right, it goes right. And you know, Cologne were on the wrong end of a battering. Yeah, and you also look, it's interesting you mentioned the power shift. It's also the players that they can attract because they have Nagelsmann. You know, everyone in Germany thought Werner is going to be gone. And yes, he has an exit clause for next year, but I wouldn't even bank 100% on the fact that Werner is going to exercise that clause because he get, look, at, look at how much he has improved working with Nagelsmann. Then you have the Erling Haaland, you know, that Norwegian sensation playing for Salzburg. Everyone in Europe is after this guy. Um of course, the way the clubs are all structured means that there is a natural pathway, isn't there? And it emerged this week that there's a 30 million euro exit clause for him to go to Leipzig. We know that that is the likely route for him to take. You know, the United and all these clubs, because I think the United link was because they have uh, Onikul Solskjaer, who's a Norwegian coach. Um, we all know that the likely pathway is for him to go there first. If and then maybe go somewhere else after that, but that is, I think, Chris, why are you right? I don't think Bayern is ever going to be not a title challenger. They will always be a title challenger. But when you look at the markets around Germany, Leipzig started with a blank slate, and the only thing that limits them at the moment in terms of finances is is UEFA, right? The the UEFA financial fair play, and they're doing it right in that terms. You know, I know a lot of people criticize them about a bunch of other things. But they're doing it right and the way they're building and they're only spending money that they're actually earning. Once they win a title, 
And once they've played a few seasons in the Champions League, that money is always only going to become more and more and more and more. And Leipzig is a beautiful city. It's a very livable city. It's a rich city. There's Audi there, Porsche is there. Um, Tesla is building a new plant close by. So there's lots and lots and lots of corporate money. I think you, I think you're 100% right. I, of all the clubs that you see around in Germany, they will be the ones that will become the long-term challenger. Just think, uh, if they manage to keep Timo Werner, how good that a strike force would be if they add uh, Erling Haaland as well. I mean, oh, how exciting would that be, eh? Uh, but guys, uh, we've, we've talked uh, about teams that are doing very well for themselves. Uh, we need to talk about the other side of the table and uh, about the sides that are not doing so well. And uh, the three teams that we were really looking at were uh, Werner Bremen, Hertha Berlin and Cologne. We know that Ver or we know that um, Paderborn are down there, sure, but they uh, managed to get a, a quite impressive result this weekend. Um, Osberg and Mainz also doing very well. Um, Chris, uh, going under the radar a little bit, it seems, is uh, Werder Bremen. Um, I thought, anyway, when I looked at the uh, table, I thought oh, that they're not doing so bad, and then I had to scroll down and realize that actually things are not going very well for them. They haven't won since uh, mid-September in the league. I, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that, really. No, it doesn't. Um, great club. Been there a couple of times myself. Um, I do think they play attractive football. Um, it's just not working at the moment. If we if we look at them last season, I thought they were great last season. Um, I think they were denied a, a decent shot at the Pokal by some poor refereeing. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. We're looking at now um, the last victory um, was against um, Union Berlin, um, and it, and it's all the way back in September. You know, the last time they won at home was against Augsburg. It's 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 been a strange one for them because if you look at the squad they've got, they have got good players. Um, I think though, for me, it's another indication of why you can't get into that rut of drawing because. You know, if you look outside their defeats, um, it's the draws that are, that are crippling them. The draws against Dortmund and Frankfurt, okay, two sides actually away from home where you would want to pick up points are those. So maybe we can look at that. Home against Hertha is a draw, shouldn't be doing that. Um, Leverkusen, okay, away again, maybe perhaps home against Freiburg. Freiburg are doing well. Um, maybe they've just had a tougher start to the season, Bryson. They've got a run of matches coming up now against Wolfsburg, Paderborn, Mainz, Cologne, Hoffenheim, um, who, you know, where they could pick up some play, some points and go further up the table. But yeah, I would, I would argue that they are well below their ability at the moment, um, and that's reflected in their position in the table on eleven points. But win a couple of games, they could soon be up in tenth, and and then you know they're looking at fighting for a European spot again. But yeah, it's not been the best of seasons for them um, since the since the turn of, of the winter, really. They didn't start particularly well, a couple of wins, and it's all been downhill again. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one because, as I say, going over there, I think they play attractive football. It's just they don't play attractively in defence at times. No, absolutely. And I think another side that um, we'll talk about, Manu, on this point, and, and I fully believe this, even if uh, maybe uh, you don't, I think Cologne actually have a, a better squad than than what this table suggests as well. I think they should be doing better than that. They've they've got three Bundesliga goal scorers there. Uh, and, you know, throughout the rest of the side, they do have some quality, but you're just looking at games at the moment. I know that they got beat by a very impressive RB Leipzig side. But they've got Osberg next, and you just don't really see, or you don't feel that they're going to win any game coming up at the moment. It's it just looks really poor. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, the the game on the game on the Saturday was absolutely telling that there is just such a big gulf in quality between a side like Leipzig and Köln and. Um, on paper, they look. I think maybe on paper they look better than what they actually are. And you have to remember, John Cordoba came in and he didn't do that particularly well um, when he when he played for them. Uh, you know, replacing Modesta. So they have these three strikers. Modesta, I think that going to China was probably the biggest mistake in his career. Terode is a Bundesliga two striker. Full stop. That's that's his level. He's does very well there. He scores lots and lots of goals down there, but he's just not a Bundesliga striker. 
And Cordoba, it looks like, isn't a Bundesliga striker either. So they have a lot of very good Bundesliga two players that, you know, sometimes players are just made for a certain division and they're the top players in that division that doesn't necessarily translate for them well. And I think they have too many of them in that squad. And that is the big issue. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, we're going to go back to you. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Hertha Berlin. We we talked about how well uh, Union have been doing um, all the way up in 11th. They're going to be very happy uh, to be above their crosstown rivals, aren't they? Hertha as, as well, you know, today got absolutely torn apart by Osberg. Um, I mean, a red card obviously helping that, but yeah, th- things are looking pretty bleak for them too. Well, I think things are looking pretty bleak for uh, Ante Kovic. Um, not really had the um, impact I thought he would have done. Um, I think there's players there who are playing maybe below their ability. Um, Marco Gruic's return to the starting lineup was possibly the poorest player in that midfield area today. He was hooked after, what, 70 minutes. Um, he's just not getting the players that they need. Um, Arnie Meyer and, and Marco Gruic, when Hertha were doing so well last season, that was a really good pairing. Um, it's not happening at the moment. Um, and then in front of that, yeah, it's not it's not as good as we were. If you think back, what, 12 months ago to when um, Hertha tore apart Bayern in the Olympiastadion, that is a long time ago. I know 12 months is a long time in football, but that seems like a really long time ago. Um it's just their football is 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 dull, and I think we said that about Hertha a couple of seasons ago. You know, they would play really well at the start, and then it would go a little bit dull in the back end of the season, and it's looking dull again. It's not exciting football, and it, I can only compare it to what we saw last season under um, Dardai, which I thought was exceptional. But once again, um. You know, he ended up not being the right fit. It's a shame for Hertha because they've got all the ingredients there to be a really top side. Um, their fans, their location. Um, I still think they could do with a smaller stadium. But if you look at some of the individual players they've got there, um, Selka, um, Wolf, Gruic, um, even on the bench today, um, Abizovic, Kalu, you know, um, Luka, uh, Luka Bakayoko has gone in. He's he's another player who's not playing as well as he could do. So, yeah, they've got a ton of problems at Hertha um, all at the same time, which is never good for a football side. Can they be dragged down? Yeah, they can. They're, they're only above um, Dusseldorf by the slightest margin. Um, once 15th becomes 16th, Bryce, there's a... That becomes a real problem psychologically for the players. Um, and they've got to host Borussia Dortmund. Well, I don't think they could be hosting them at a better time. So maybe they will get something um, on the weekend coming. That's it. That game will be on Saturday. Two coaches under a lot of pressure. Let's see how it goes. Um, Manu, that, I think that more or less does it today. But what have you got going on, uh, going on during the week uh, with football grad Forbes and everything else in your life? Yeah, so um, on Friday I published my sixth article of the month with Forbes. That was the interview of um, Werder Bremen CEO Klaus Filbri, who, sp- who spoke to me a bit about the Werder Bremen's North America strategy, but also Josh Sargent and how important he is for the club. So if, you, if you're an American or anyone listening in and you have any interest in Werder Bremen, that's on uh, Forbes.com. Um, as on the Football Grad Network, it's, it's Champions League and Europa League, so... Um, these the the previews um, will be coming out probably um, it's now Sunday that we record this the, the first bunch will be will be released on Sunday and then a bunch on on Monday as well and then the Europa League ones as well so uh, look out for that and then I have one more article planned for Forbes and of course International Champions Cup the the Bundesliga roundup um, that I do every week will be available as well so yeah as always lots of things going on always busy and Chris uh, I can only imagine that you're very busy as well what have you got coming up yes yeah, Champions League week Bryce so um, I will be following um, Jurgen Klopp for um, footballstat.com so I'll be at Liverpool Napoli um, outside of that um, a little like Manu I've got some articles for Forbes plans so I've got one in um, the ready for sign off um, which should be late, out later this week which is all about Schalke's um, impact in North America with a really good scheme that they've got together and how 
Um, Weston McKenney's helping with that, so look out for that. Um, and then I've got a Premier League um, recap and a um, domestic league recap for all the international Champions Cup teams from 2019 and those who played in it previously. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that. Busy as always. Eh? Well, thank you very much for uh, tuning in. Yes, if you need more football in your life, you can head over to the likes of Twitter and go to at Football Grad Life. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Uh, thanks, as I said, uh, for tuning in. Enjoy the European football and we'll be back before you know it. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab gehört. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.